it's a hot topic at farming events around the country. This week we're talking regenerative agriculture. With the industry increasingly focused on sustainability, more and more farmers are looking to adopt regenerative principles on farm. And the soaring cost of fertiliser and other inputs is also providing an incentive for farmers to see if a different approach could work for them. I'm Farmers Guardian Head of Business Alex Black, and on this week's Over the Farmgate podcast, we're coming to you from the Groundswell event. Make sure you're subscribed on your favourite platform so you never miss an episode. So what is regenerative farming? Fundamentally, it's all about improving the soil. It's based around five key principles. Don't disturb the soil, keep the soil surface covered, keep living roots in the soil, grow a diverse range of crops and bring grazing animals back onto the land. Jess Fredenberg has been finding out more about how it works in practice. Hello everyone, it's Jez Fredenberg here and I am still buzzing, although kind of knackered too, from Groundswell, the UK's biggest regenerative farming conference that happened last week. Thousands of farmers, estate owners, food campaigners, community gardeners, policymakers, researchers, organisations and companies rubbed shoulders over two days at John and Paul Cherry's farm in Hertfordshire. More than 150 talks and demo sessions covered everything from signs of soil health and agroforestry walks to the business case for regenerative farming and the politics of making it all happen. What was probably most noticeable was the sheer diversity of people there, including many who'd come for the first time and were thinking about all this kind of stuff. Sessions on how other farmers had integrated agroecology into their systems were probably some of the most well attended, particularly by fellow farmers. And I think it's safe to say that this is a growing movement that is gathering momentum very fast. So watch this space. I caught up with a few people at the conference to see what they'd made of it and what they'd learnt. And I'm just about to head over to Dalton's uh, ice cream van, which is painted like a Frisian cow, and meet Angus Dalton himself, the dairy farmer in Derbyshire and a Pasture for Life member. This is beautiful. Beautiful, creamy ice cream from Pasture for Cows. So, you're obviously in your lovely ice cream van pitted like a Frisian cow selling your beautiful ice cream and you're you've been on the um, part of a group haven't you on um, the farming forum for a while talking about regenerative practices and you're a pastor for life member as well how do you feel when you come to groundswell like this and you're seeing all these farmers some of them who are here for the first time thinking about all this stuff what do you think um it's, it's great it, it, it's a great atmosphere and it's good to see that people are um genuinely um, interested in, in looking at things regeneratively. I don't want to use that as a, a as a throwaway word, but you know that we, we all know deep down in our heart what's right, what we want to do, what we want to be achieving. We just don't quite know, you know, and that farming in itself has gone to extremes in a lot of people's minds, that including the farmers, whether that's extremes of profitability or non-profitability or um, mechanisation uh, or uh, just stress levels and people are just realising hang on there is there is another way of doing things maybe maybe we just want to take back take a step back take stock of things and just ask ask the big questions of ourselves about why 
and how and what we're doing. And, and yeah, obviously, people, everyone that's come here really has come to look for answers and to exchange ideas and, and have a great time, of course. You know, what, what could be better than, you know, just having a sociable time as well. But, but people have come here with a thinking hat on. Are there still still questions that you have in your mind about a more sustainable way of, of farming? You know, is there anything in particular that you're still trying to find the answer to? Um, yes, there is, but I don't know what it is yet. It's as simple as that. You don't know, and you, you never know until you find out. Um, and and then as you as you're going along that journey, because you'll never know when you reach your regenerative goal, because there'll always be something else bugging you and asking you a question. Um, and at this point, I don't know what it is, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's just completely ongoing. And I will, I'll look at things. I picked up ideas this week, today here, um, and I'll take some ideas home and we'll talk it through at the family at home and we'll try things. Um, and yeah, and then we'll move on again. Yeah. You're obviously adding value to your milk by making this beautiful ice cream that is about to run down my arm, I think, at this point. Um, but um, how important would you say is the whole story of the fact that your, you know, your cows are grass-fed? How important is that to the people buying your ice cream? It's funny, as a, as a producer, I don't feel it's important because it's just what we do. But then when you start getting feedback off people, you realise, hang on, they're actually latching onto the story just as much as what we're actually doing, you know. And um, it, it, it's quite uh, quite humbling, really, to think that people are actually interested in our story. And just like every farmer here, they've, they've all got their own story to tell. They're all doing their own things within their own families, within their own businesses, within their own minds. Um, and every one of them is a story. Uh, and yeah, the the public are interested in it, it's just that we don't give the public credit for being interested in it. Okay, what's your name and what are you farming? Uh, so I'm Will Hartnell, um, based down in North Devon, uh, farming beef, arable, potatoes and vegetables. So, yeah, everything. Nice, thank you. And well, we've just been in a session about the whether the economic case for regenerative farming really stacks up. What did you make of the session? Uh, I found it really interesting just um, <clears throat> how you can, not only is it uh, these guys have managed to reduce their uh, nitrogen usage, so their nitrogen inputs, um, but they've also managed to decrease the risk in growing a lot of their crops. So although their gross margin might have dropped because they're not producing uh, the same yield, um, their overall uh, risk has dropped through many different crops and so therefore the, the financial sense yeah it did stack up so I think that's looking forward you have to try and reduce your risk in everything you do so if you can reduce your risk you're then more likely to turn a profit so uh, it was uh, really interesting. And, and you're right at the beginning of this whole sort of transition aren't you can you tell us a little bit about where you're at with it on the on the farm? So at the moment um, it's, we're still uh, conventional uh, in inverted commas um, uh, because we're still using a plough for a lot of our cultivations. Um, um, although, uh, coming here, I came here last year and I come here back again this year, I'm just trying to gather as much information as I can um, to influence kind of my decision and my family's decision making. Um, and and, and it, it is working, so we are kind of going down now a mintil route. Um, 
um, with the eventual uh, goal of not necessarily regen ag as a goal, but in trying to improve our soil health. Um, and so, yeah, regen ag is a tool to improve our soil health, and which uh, in inherently reduces your risk and it increases your stability of your farm. So. Was there any any particular thing that you learned yesterday that you that you think you're going to take home and that will be useful to you? I've a lot of things are narratives I've heard before, um, but just reinf- uh, find it really interesting, the reinforcing of the idea that you just have to pay attention to the details um, and then the bigger picture will always pull together. Um, you can't just direct drill and leave the field and shut the gate and uh, well, you can sometimes, but um, yeah, it's paying attention to the details of so deciding when you've got to when to drill any remedial action um, and just keeping an eye on the biology going on and uh, that might influence then your cover crop decisions and just being just being smart about it, not 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 trying to do a one system fits all kind of approach. So yeah. Awesome. What are you off to next? There's uh, yeah, Greg Judy is doing a grazier talk later, grazing talk. Um, I went up and watched the mob demo uh, demonstration last night, and he was really interesting then. So I'm going to try and catch his talk this morning. Um, there's another uh, talk uh, about um, later on. Uh, they've got the no-till potato plot. I thought growing potatoes, obviously that's a really intensive cultivation process. So yeah, uh, trying to reduce those cultivations either a single pass or no to which I which would be interesting to see what they're doing so yeah awesome thank you Gary Markham hello we've not seen each other for a while hello good hello um you've just done a talk to a, a packed packed group of people packed group of farmers um about the the economics of regen but what I really wanted to talk to you about was uh, the family dynamics of this. I met a young farmer yesterday who uh, is just about to leave the family farm because he's frustrated that he wants to bring in these new, more sustainable farming methods and his parents are not up for it. And we just had a conversation and he said, yeah, this is something I'm seeing a lot of. So what what, what are those problems that you're really seeing? Absolutely. So uh, behind every farming business, there's a family and the family dynamics. And, and I think is a generational thing um, so traditional farming has been there to be making money and obviously that is really changing now as we become more and more aware of the damage we're doing to the environment and so the younger generation are very switched on to this and want to change and then the older generation are not and traditionally in farming the older generation are in charge for a long long time and the younger generation don't have a say until they're in their 50s and 60s quite often so there's a, there's a lot of change that needs to be done uh, and what happens unfortunately is that is that it becomes a dysfunctional family because you have an impasse situation and as you described a young person walked off the farm I've seen that happened as well so I spend a lot of my time now managing people not managing numbers uh, because if you get the people right and the, the right type of people and the right help the numbers come so, so I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done in the industry to help families. Regen, as you've just said in your talk, really, it's a long-term game, isn't it, in terms of the, the economics stacking up. Um, is that kind of part of this element, this butting heads within families, do you think, that obviously if you're, if you're an older farmer, perhaps you're feeling like it doesn't make sense, but if you're the younger generation coming in, it sort of economically it perhaps does make a bit more sense yes well economically as i've just described in the talk 
Um, apart from the blip of the world situation at the moment in commodity prices and input prices, let's, let's treat those as a blip. So regen agriculture can make you as much money, the same margins, uh, with less working capital as traditional farming methods. Uh, but it's, it's the leap of faith and moving from one to the next. And, and I have many met many people in, in the talks I've been giving around the countryside, uh, uh, mainly um, agronomy groups, and speak, spoken to farmers there who tried it, put stepped a, a toe in the, in the water and then and then came back out again. Um, I, one of the things I say, it's, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted uh, because it's a leap of faith and it's not for possibly a tenant farmer with an overdraft. So if you're financially in, struggling at the moment, making that leap of faith is very, very difficult. And it's in, so therefore it's about training the mind as well. It's, it's getting it right in the mind and, and many farmers need that mental support to make the change. So it's not all about the money. It's, it's making that mental support. And, and so this is where we, we do the benchmarking. And in the benchmarking is not all about the numbers. It is arranging groups and discussion. And we have a discussion group on various farms and they learn from each other. And that's, that's where it really works. But benchmarking just for numbers is, is it's only a means to an end. The end is learning from other people, peer to peer. In one sentence... In one sentence, what um, what one thing could a young farmer or any any farmer who is perhaps having family issues with wanting wanting to start these uh, you know more tra- uh, a kind of transition to regenerative farming, but is butting up against heads in the family? What one thing can they do to try and make that a bit smoother? So um, I hold many what I call family AGMs because they don't exist. Uh, they don't exist in England and in the UK uh, traditionally. Other parts of the parts of the world, in Australia, etc., America, they're, they're a lot more open-minded. A lot more the, so, the the soft skills are there. We don't have soft skills, soft skills hardly at all in in the UK. So a family AGM with a stranger in the room. So so that so the stranger in the room will 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 they who will they will respect and it will stop them falling out in that in that in that meeting so a, a structured constructive meeting so Nigel and Penny we stood um, outside your uh, your nice stand here selling beautiful your beautiful beef um, can you just introduce yourselves and just say where you're farming exactly and what you're doing my name is Penny Franklin I farm at Brightly Farm which is in Outward Surrey um, we're mainly grass-fed beef farmers. Uh, we also do pigs and chickens on small scale. Um, we're selling direct uh, all of our meat um, to uh, three farmers markets and our farm shop. Nigel, you're also a pasture for life. Uh, you, you work for pasture for life, don't you? Yeah, I do uh, two days a week now working on the supply chain. Uh, so essentially trying to network farmers with consumers and uh, butchers across the country. So you've you've both you've both been kind of on this you know regen journey. It's what everyone's sort of talking about today, aren't they? Um, you've been doing that for a little while. What would you say? Um, well, actually, let's first. Can you just tell us a little bit about how that all started and, and when it did and where you're at now with the farm? Okay, I was looking to how to find out how to grass finish cattle, and I kept being told by other farmers it can't be done. Uh, and then I found um, the Pasture Fed Livestock Association. Uh, and there's so much knowledge there. There's so many innovative farmers um, within the um, PFLA, 
and um, I've learnt so much through uh, talking to other farmers, visiting their farms, and then coming to to our farm and. Um, yeah, it's uh, knowledge exchange and, and helping each other. Uh, how have you seen your, your farm change over the years since you've been doing that? Uh, the, the amount of grass we're growing is um, amazing compared to what we were doing um, eight years ago. Uh, just through mob grazing, moving the cattle, long rest periods up to 60, a uh, minimum of 60 days we're doing now. And um, yeah, just don't do the same thing in the same place every year keep changing it keep um, observing keep uh, yeah um. we've also evolved the the genetics of the animals as well so we're, we're selecting the right animals that finish um, finish well over a, over a sensible period of time we don't rush animals we don't t- try and finish them particularly quickly but we want to f- finish them right um, and there's no point in having a big continental type breed on the system. Um, so yeah, our native breeds uh, crossbreeding, producing a really nice herd of black baldies. So essentially, Aberdeen Angus Hereford crosses. What do you think you've you've learnt the most over the last few years of doing this? What are the key take-home messages? Um, everything I learnt at Agricultural College, um, I had to forget and uh, relearn. Uh, especially about soil and knew nothing about soil until I started on this journey even though I've been farming for years and um, just learning about the soil biology and and how um, the plants interact with the soil and and the animal impact from having the cattle um, and rotating the cattle around the farm not set stocking not letting them go back to that grass plant and re um, graze it when it's only just um, starting to grow again Um, yeah, that the, the soil is the main thing. So also, also important addition, which is more recent, was you know we felt we were going in a really good direction with the cattle, but we also introduced the chickens and the pigs, and their interaction with the whole system has has been quite refreshing as well. And how important has being uh, part of Pasture for Life and, and talking to other farmers about this and knowing other farmers who are doing this, how important has that been? Immensely important. Um, the net- network community that we've got, certainly in the southeast, but actually nationally, is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, everyone's so friendly, helpful. Uh, in a way, we challenge each other. Um, and everyone's doing it a little bit differently, but that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Um, and out of it, I think what we're, what ultimately all of us are doing is producing top quality food, and 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 the customer feedback tells you that. Talking of which, there's now an enormous queue at your stand, so I better let you go, I think. And all the smoke is wafting over. It smells incredible. So thank you. See you later. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you too. Thanks to William, Douglas, Penny, Nigel and Gary for sharing their thoughts with us from Groundswell. Now, we are going to be digging much deeper into regenerative farming over the next 12 months as part of a focus on farming with nature. So expect to hear from other farmers who are just dipping their toes into all of this for the first time through to those who've been doing it for a very long time. We'll also have interviews with advisors, scientists and other farmers who are very experienced in all of this to give you the essential tools to explore regenerative farming further if you so choose on your own farm, including the ins and outs of things like soil health, pasture management and reducing your inputs. So watch this space. More will be coming to you in the next couple of weeks.
Thank you to Jez and to all our contributors. Regen Ag will become even more topical in the months and years ahead and no doubt will be a big topic of conversation on Over the Farmgate, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Until our next episode, goodbye for now. <laughs>